Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. There are yoga instructors, and then there's New York City master yoga and spin instructor Hallie Becker, who's been spreading her fitness gospel for more than 15 years and who describes her practice as a blend of truth, rock and roll, and yoga. In addition to teaching homegirl yoga in her personal studio, which happens to be located in her apartment on Manhattan's Upper East Side, she also teaches at Soul Cycle. Hallie wasn't always a yoga fitness professional. She spent more than 20 years in event production and two years working with Oprah in the motivational speaking arena. Hallie has a hell of a personal story to share. She's in recovery after being addicted to cocaine. She's also a single mom, having adopted a baby from Russia. Maya is now 14 years old. Hallie also says she has a healthy, loving relationship with her ex-husband. Actually, they live in the same apartment building. Homegirl Yoga, according to Hallie, is her forum to spread the messages from the lessons she's learned from all those experiences. So let's meet and get to know this female dynamo. Hallie, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Sandy, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Let's see how you feel after the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after our conversation. I think, right, exactly. <laughs> so Hallie, take us back in time. You're not a native New Yorker, are you? No, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I think my first words when I was two was like, let's get the hell out of here, you know. <laughs> we moved outside of Boston. Uh -huh. And uh, I was raised in Sherburn, Massachusetts, one of three Jews in a high school of about 800 people, where really? they still called it Christmas Vacation, which my mother <laughs> took task with. We had horses. I lived a very waspy Jewish life, actually. So you, you grew up on a farm? I grew up with a stable in the backyard and paddocks and Passover. <laughs> I had the whole thing. But your family, that was not how they earned a living. No, no, no. My uh, my mother is an actress mm. and a costume designer. She worked for a dance retail outlet for many years. My dad, who passed away when I was very young, he passed away uh, at the age of 50 when I was 19. Mm. He was a judge actually in Jimmy Carter's administration. So when they got divorced... Uh, he left Boston, moved to Washington, and mm. worked in the appellate court for Jimmy Carter. So did you go to college in Massachusetts? I, I left Massachusetts and went to college at American University okay, in, in Washington mm -hmm. to be near my dad. Very quickly, I learned, you know, I met my tribe. You know, I did not know what a Jewish American princess was, but I met them in droves mm -hmm. in 1980 mm -hmm. at American mm -hmm. University. So you get out of college, and then, you know, is the world your oyster? You know, the world wasn't. Uh, I had just lost my dad mm -hmm. uh, a year earlier. I was an entrepreneur, though, from the get-go. In college, I started an aerobics program where everybody paid me $35 a semester to take aerobics classes from me, which I did straight out of Jane Fonda's workout book. So you stole? Yeah. Yeah. Even having done that, that's just kind of interesting. That what, Were you the only game in town? I was the only game at school. Okay. And so I taught aerobics. I taught aerobics through school. When I got out of school, one of my aerobics students from a studio that I worked at hired me to work for a company that produced trade shows. Okay. That lasted a few years. And, and then I decided I needed to make more money. So I decided to go into computer equipment sales, which I knew absolutely nothing about. And also at this time, my, my drug use had pretty much gotten out of, out, out of hand, so it was really hard All to right, well, let, 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 Let's focus on that for a second. Yeah. So here you are doing aerobics and you're also doing drugs. Or it was dark and light. It yeah. was yin and yang. It was whatever you want to call it. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it was also the 80s. It was just, you know, I wasn't alone in this sort of really unhealthy, seemingly healthy lifestyle. Mm. But, you know, there, you you know, we all know that that comes to a crash. Sure. But when you started messing around with drugs, was it recreationally? Did you smoke some dope and then it just morphed into something no, else? No, you know, I really, um, my drug addiction did not really come into full force and bloom Till right after my dad passed away. And I think it was a way of not Coping. feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. I did not want to feel mm-hmm. anymore. This raging um, sadness and loss that was going on inside me. And so you start to coat it. And then that becomes actually your coping mechanism. Sure. But it didn't prevent you from having a career. Nope. Because as I said in my introduction, you were involved in event production, correct? How did that happen? And did that happen in D.C.? It happened in D.C. So you stayed. I stayed in D.C. I got fired from all of the aforementioned jobs. Mm -hmm. And then I started to work for a production company that was actually founded. um, We will remember the Ed Sullivan show. There was the Ray Block Orchestra. Of course, And so this was Ray Block Productions, and I was hired to open the Washington office of this company that provided show business for business. So, for instance, if the CEO of IBM, let's say, at the time wanted Tony Bennett to perform at their, you know, company function, they would go through our company to book Tony Bennett. So it was it was it was a production company, an entertainment production company. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. I worked with this woman and uh, that went well for a little while. But I got fired from there also. And so at the ripe age of 23, I decided, well, screw this. I'm going to start my own production company. And my first big job was back in 1987. My mother named my company. It is called Comet Productions for Halley's Comet. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my first very big job that I got was producing the reopening of Union Station in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. That was a huge big deal. Yeah. It was the first, like, let's turn the mall into an actual destination for shopping and entertainment. So I produced concerts every night. So there was no intimidation factor here for you. Mm -mm. Do you look back and find that interesting or not at all? I mean, or I think did you I, have support from, I don't know, outside influences or in spite of the divorce, did your parents give you a very strong sense of you? I think yes to yes and no to all of the above. I think it was, I think that I basically ran out of options because I felt like I was truly unemployable. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, you know what, let me just do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And one thing that my parents both gave me, my mother is an actress, my dad was truly the funniest person I've ever met in my life. I know how to, I know how to manage myself. Um, I knew how to be an entrepreneur. I'd been doing it since college. The only thing that was holding me back were these deep, dark demons, um, you know, of this drug addiction. I never spent all my money. I never, I was, a, I was what we like to call a functioning drug addict. Yeah, I was going to use that term yeah. to describe yeah. you. So you were yeah. able to multitask. Right, it really is. You know, let's that, handle this. Yeah. Let's produce this show and make sure we call the drug dealer. What yeah. were you doing back then? Were you doing cocaine? Yes, that was really my drug of choice. I was never a drinker. Or it wasn't like, I wasn't the kind of drug addict that was like, what do you have? That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I was, this is specifically tied to 
me being able to check out of what I don't want to deal with. So I wasn't a, you know, a junkie in the sense that I would just take pills, do this, drink that. People used to laugh at me back then that I would be, you know, high on cocaine with a Diet Coke. Did people know this about you? Or was this a solitary pursuit? People close to me knew they never knew how bad it was. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of people that we know have something of that degree going on. You know, there are people out there that have deep, dark demons and really big jobs and really big lives and successful. And it never sort of got to you in terms of like, I can't do this anymore. It would all the time, but that's called addiction. If it was that easy, we'd all just stop. You're Duh. right. Yes, it's like when course. my I was little, my step, when I had trouble with, you know, mean girls or whatever one goes through, he would just say, Dia, in his Boston accent, Dia, stop being so insecure. And I'd be, Wait, and, you, you know, I'm trying to say this is your stepdad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So your my mom mother remarried. remarried. Yeah. But you know, I, we all wish that we could stop the demons and stop the addictions, but it's not that easy. Am I being Hollywoodish to say that that part of your life back then, in terms of the cocaine addiction, where your supply is, you know, the underbelly of DC yeah, society? That's such an excellent. Excellent question, because honestly, we empower these people that are taking us down. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, it, it's like, really, do I give a about asking about the drug dealer's family? How's the family? Mm -hmm. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. summer vacation. Well, you, good. You were in a business you know? relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, listen, we give people power that they don't ask for. You mm -hmm. know, I think at one point I did have someone that I would procure drugs from who actually said, you know, you need to look at this. And when your drug t dealer tells you you need to look at it, you need to look at yeah, it. Yeah, really? You know? Wow. But it really was symptomatic for me. I totally marry the feelings that I didn't want to feel with around the passing of my dad to the start and the ensuing drug addiction. As opposed to being at a party where people are all, you know, snorting coke or exactly. whatever. Exactly. No. Think I'll, Recreational I'll, yeah. fun. No, I've had enough. Okay. I never once said, no, I have had enough. So you're really managing to have a successful career. Because as I also mentioned in the introduction, you worked with Oprah Winfrey's company, yes. right? In motivational speaking. Was that in conjunction with your event production company? Yes. So you made quite a name for yourself. Yes. Still based out of D.C. Yes. And then I moved to to New York. Some of my friends had left D.C. also. And then uh, I moved to the big town in 96. And taking your company with you? Yes. And you didn't have a problem no. setting up shop here because no. in a sense, your reputation preceded you? And also with events and production, you travel where your clients go. Good so point. Right. I did a lot of association work. I did a lot of inaugural work. So that sort of ended. But I traveled all over the country and the world producing events for corporate clients. Was it in the 90s that you got married? I got married to uh, Maya's dad, Mark, in 1998. Mm -hmm. We got married in our beautiful home in West Hampton. Oh, Long Island. Uh-huh. So we had that big, big fancy life out there. Mm -hmm. And Mark was had lost his mother recently. Our our connection was also horses. His mother had been a big rider. Mm -hmm. So we had a beautiful farm and home in West Hampton that he still goes to and my daughter gets to enjoy. So it still. obviously still begs the question, did your ex-husband, Mark, know about your extracurricular activity? Yes, he did. And yes, he did. And he uh, he did not know how to deal with it at all because he had his own. I mean, listen, we've all got addictions. You've mm -hmm. got them. I've got them. Mm -hmm. All your friends have them. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, how is it going to fuck up your life? Sure. You know? And when are you going to finally sit down? and take a good long look at it and deal with it. So we both had our issues. Mm -hmm. But yes, he 
he knew, but um, addiction's bigger than everything. Here's how I can really fast forward us to what has been such a beautiful career in the yoga and fitness industry is I had rules on my addiction and my rule was I could never walk into a yoga studio high. So wait a second. You you practice yoga. I practiced yoga. I've been practicing yoga for 25 years. Okay. So yoga was part of your yoga life. Yoga was part. And you know, listen, you you when I remember when I first started taking yoga, I'd already been a fitness instructor. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through all the modalities. I went through aerobics and step and high cut like leotards by Gilda Marks and this and that and that, 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 that. So this is an important part of your life, yes. another part of your life. So you were multidimensional. I was multidimensionally mm-hmm. slightly demented. <laughs> yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. yoga is not defined by the poses that one can do. Yoga, in its definition, is to yoke and bind back to your authentic self Mm -hmm. through breath and through attention and through awareness and through really dropping in to your higher self, right? So as I listen to this, and I, I take yoga also, and as you say that on the one hand, how is that reconciled with the fact that you were doing cocaine? Someone had to win. Someone on that committee inside me needed to win. Those two wolves, let's call them, uh-huh. were fighting. Uh-huh. So one wolf, the one that wanted to be clean, that wanted to be a presence, that wanted to be a voice, that wanted to help myself and others, had to beat the other wolf that wanted to just not deal, not look, mm. and numb out. So did you have an epiphany one day? Yeah, it was right before we adopted Maya. At that point, you had been a cocaine addict for, what, 20 years? Yeah, let's call it that. Okay. And so then you d- you decide that you would like to adopt a child because you weren't able to have children? Yes, that is correct. Ah, uh, okay. Well, there is a bigger story to that. And, it's, and my beloved sister gave birth to her son, who is turning 18 now and just got accepted to Yale. I must plug that. Mm-hmm. He uh, has a disease called retinoschisis. It's a degenerative retinal disease, and he is legally blind. Mm. And so we did not know that this chromosome, this combination was in our family. So I actually went to NIH and got tested, and turns out carrier. that our, you know, the two Becker girls, my sister and myself, uh, carry the gene. So, and also I wasn't getting pregnant mm-hmm, either. Mm-hmm. So this was just the natural road. And I never had, just a sidebar for anybody who's thinking about adopting out there, I never had a qualm about it. It didn't matter to me mm-hmm. where a child came from into my life or if I had children or not. Mm-hmm. I followed the path of life and this is where it led me. Um but adoption was a beautiful road for us. But it's a it's a bit of a long road, isn't yeah. it? And it's kind of fraught. I yeah. mean, you didn't decide. We got I'd, lucky. Yeah, how long yeah. did the process take? Uh, we first, we started with an amazing company called Adoption Source out of Florida. We started with them, let's call it early in the summer. By November, we had gone to Russia already to meet Maya, who had been left at the orphanage at two months old, so was now five months. She was home before her first birthday. What, did things sort of sour with you and your husband, and you decided you were going to go your separate ways? We 
agreed that we were not supposed to be married to each other. We weren't friends, and now we are. Mm -hmm. And so Maya just sees divorce as more homes to go to, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Typical New York kid, right? But we love each other very much. I love his partner. He's fond of my now partner. And we've gone through it. We worked hard to get here, but when you're a parent, you're not first anymore. You know, Maya's well-being is is number one for both of us, and we come together really well on that. And also, he's a friggin' great guy. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad to be his friend. So what was the catalyst for you to start your own yoga studio, Homegirl Yoga? So Homegirl Yoga is basically my living room and dining room where I hold classes a couple of times a week for community for women on the Upper East Side, Mm -hmm. right? And we have a fabulous community of women. We have gone through deaths of husbands, divorces, illness, college acceptance, this, that, you name it, because people need safe places to share. So it is community where there's coffee served and the price is right Mm -hmm. and I put down mats and for an hour, a couple of days a week, people get to drop in. I also teach at many yoga studios. I do retreats around the world and my platform is really trying to get the people that I care about to drop into the authentic person that they are. And in fact, I just... I just did a course for a wonderful new company called Gen Connect You, as in generation. And my platform is finding your authentic teacher within. And so I have a course on Gen Connect You about finding your teacher because, you know, we all do all these trainings. You know, now we know how to do this. We know how to do this pose. We know how to correct this pose. We know how to adjust in this pose. But who are we all? As Mm -hmm. teachers, Mm -hmm. who are we as mothers? Who are we as friends? What is the truth? I mean, we walk around going, this is what I want you to think about me, Sandy. I want you to think that I'm, uh, but what I really want you to know about me is, Jesus, I walk around so scared all day. I'm aging. I'm this, I'm that. So I'm just trying to create spaces in yoga and also at SoulCycle where people can drop in and be authentically and safely who they are, who they need to be that day, and what they need to emote. Mm, That's not necessarily so easy for people to do. It's not at all, is it? And that doesn't necessarily mean that they can or want to do that. Indeed. It's scary to show up. Yeah. Well, are you saying it's scary to show up at homegirl yoga? Nope. I think it's scary. It's scary for people to show up as they really are. And Mm -hmm. we, a lot of us walk around with a big old mask on. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you chip away at that stone that you find the statue. And listen, some people will never do it. Right. And that's okay. And I'm not judging. Yeah. But I'm saying if you want to roll with me, Mm -hmm. right? So does everybody know your backstory? Pretty much. I'm pretty open about it. And is that something that you need to share? Have you felt that way over the course of your life? That's a great question. Is that something that I need to share? I'm going to say, yep. It's cleansing for me. Even after all these years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, that's why the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, um, that's why people keep coming back because you never really graduate Mm. from your demons, right? The circus leaves town, but the monkey is still like there chirping away Mm -hmm. on -hmm. your shoulder. On your shoulder, And I think it's important to stay clear and present because you never know who's in your room, what they're going through, what their kid might be going through. You know, a lot of my students now have teenagers that are now experimenting with drugs. And listen, I'm not, you know, drug-free America platform, but I am here to tell you that 
addiction is a real thing and the way that I dealt with it, I got very lucky and the thing that I am most proud of is not the companies that I've started, not the rock star daughter that I have, the good relationship with my ex, my beautiful partner, Terry, that I have now. I'm really proud that I got clean off drugs, Sandy, because mm. it was really friggin' hard. And how did you do that? I went into the rooms of recovery mm -hmm. that Bill Wilson started in the 40s. Mm -hmm. My bridge back to life was people that were going through the same thing. So you, you found know. this community. Yeah. You know, as I was listening to you, I was thinking, and I wrote down the word therapy, that your yoga practice is not simply a pose. Yeah. I mean, you're not a I yoga call it teacher. physical therapy. Yeah. I was just going to say you're, you're a therapist. Yeah. I don't know if that may... I think turn that's a some, beautiful way to put it. Right. But I wonder if that might turn some people off. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that everybody has their own, and they're not even demons, that they're their own MO almost. You know? I had someone say to me in a private, someone I really like, don't heal me. Just teach me how to do a handstand. Yeah. Does your class run the age gamut? And, yes. And are, is it men and women as well? Yes. Everybody's welcome. Uh-huh. And I would say the median age in Homegirl is probably mid-40s, but I've had daughters and uh, one of my clients is close to 70. So you're doing all the things that you didn't know you were going to do, right? Mm. I mean, is that a, an interesting way to look at it? So, and I've used this term before with some of the women that I've interviewed. There's this reinvention, isn't there? Even though you didn't know you were doing that. Wow. That's a really great way to put it. But do you feel that way about yeah, yourself that you can I keep? I so certainly do. That and, you know, I wonder about that sometimes. I'm like, if I had gotten clean and really was who I am today, could I have stayed married to Mark? Could this have worked out? And the truth is you have to go through the chapters that you go through to get where you're going. So nothing is really a mistake, and I bless it all at this point. It was really tough going through. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't think that I would be where I am today without the the roads that I had to travel before. So in other words, on your tombstone, it'll read, she had no regrets. No regrets, my friends. Yeah. You were able, kind of on your own. You didn't seem to, in talking to me, offer me much in the way of a support system for you. Mm, I didn't really have one. Yeah. So what do you think about that? That I you makes kind me of sad, actually. And I think I was pretty lost for a while. But also, you're pretty gnarly when you're addicted. I mean, you really, because once you start to ask for help, the floodgates are just going to rage open and that gate's going to be thrown down. So, I mean, you know, I got a lot of support within, you know, the recovery rooms. And I really became a lot more my own best friend. Mm-hmm. You know what else I'm picking up that's interesting in terms of a dichotomy? And I wonder if you've thought about this, too. There's kind of an intensity in you that is almost opposite to, like, yoga, hey, man. Oh, I know. Right? I yeah. mean, are you— I, We I, yogis I, are gnarly, my friends. No, it's We're, aberrational. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. like that word better. Yeah. I mean, there you are. There's an intensity as opposed to— Let's lay on the mat. Right on. And and just, you want yeah. that? You do not want my class. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah. And it, that's why there's so many brilliant yoga teachers out there. And so all the student needs to do is find the person that works for them. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be in my class, I am going. You're going to grow. Mm -hmm. You are going to grow. That is going to happen. But I'm not going there necessarily to just chill and find peace. You're going to do that too. 
Uh-huh. Because how can you find peace without really taking a look at yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I mean, the you know, if we want enlightenment, first of all, we need to lighten up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be remiss uh, from a pure gossip standpoint <laughs> not to ask you, because I also read that you've got some famous clients. I'm uh-huh. not looking for you to spill any beans. But how did that, how did you get a rep? I do retreats mm-hmm. at a wonderful uh, resort in Tulum, Mexico. We go every year called Amansala. And Over the years, while I have been there, I have had the good fortune to um, have – there was uh, celebrities that were staying there that gravitated to my class. Mm -hmm. By word of mouth? By word of mouth. And one – in particular, I mean, I just love and adore her, is uh, Sienna Miller, mm-hmm. the British actress. And we just circled around each other for a bit. And then she took my class and she gave me a book that she wrote me a letter and gave me a book, The Feminine Manifesto. And we've worked together off and on ever since. Drew Barrymore has also been a client and Reese Witherspoon. In and, your away retreats, because these, and, these and, are and not New Yorkers. Rome. Nope, nope. Mm-hmm. But, you know, listen, they're just gals doing what they do. They're mothers and mm-hmm. amazing women. But it And also Jill Kargman from the wonderful show Odd Mom Out. Mm-hmm. She's a Soul Cycle client of mine. And, you know, they're just wonderful, powerful, funny, amazing, switched-on women, you know, so it's pretty neat. And do you get some bold-faced names coming to your apartment? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. really great. Which is nice. And, you know, nobody cares. You yeah. know, because mm-hmm. when everyone's in down dog and your ass is in the air, you're just another ass in the air. I can't <laughs> right. even tell you are. Yeah. You know, right. well. I have grateful on my ass on my <laughs> spiritual gangster pants today. But uh-huh. um, but I feel really blessed. And I think um, part of this conversation also speaks to the fact that I'm 55. Mm-hmm. And my 55-year-old self is making way better decisions than my 30-year-old self. I mean, you know, the the I have evolved to a place where I feel that I truly have to say that's relevant and real and helpful. So in other words, you don't think that you necessarily could have been a parent at 35? No way. Mm-hmm. I, I adopted Maya, by the way, at 42. And so you have a lot of joy in your life. So much joy, so much gratitude, and so much, well, I'm working on the grace part. What do you mean? Yeah, I'm working on grace just really to be to be grateful with all that I have been through. But I do see the joy in every day. I really do. That's- I see the beauty and joy in every day. I am very grateful mm-hmm. because the path that I was on, Sandy, I'm not supposed to be here today talking mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. You were derailed and you got back on track. And it yeah. sounds like you just basically did it. All by yourself. Well, it was it was pretty solo journey, but then you find your tribe, mm-hmm. you know, as you reach out. And really my jam through the course that I'm teaching and the work that I'm doing is how to help the people that come to me to be more authentic mm-hmm. within who they are and to really own their best self. I know that's so overused. That sounds so, you know whatever but th- we're all we're all se- seeking mm-hmm. but what we are seeking is also seeking us and we just have to eh, make that marry the two yeah, together yeah i was just going to say introduce you know? them and to I, each other. I love working with women over 40 because that whole game has changed you know there's so many powerful as you know you have a lot of them on your program i do beautiful yeah. what mm-hmm. a what a list you've had and then there's me and uh, <laughs> but you know this is an interesting time to be a woman yeah that's for sure yeah, that is for sure. Well, guess what? We've run out of time. I loved being here today. Thank you so very well, much for having me. Well, thank you for, for your openness me. and your honesty yeah, I and really a very refreshing it. look at life. Yeah. And you're just, you know, is there a book in your... Uh... I do, and I have the title. Yeah? 
I'm going to call it because everyone says that I invented the magical unicorn phrase, which I don't know if I did, but everyone said I have unicorn everything, placemats, bath towels, underwear, you name it. But my book will be called Here's What's Real, which is my 62nd podcast that I do on Instagram every week. My book is called Here's What's Real and Other Unicorn Tales. Okay, well, we're going to be looking for that. When it comes out, Yes, I'm coming me. back. Okay, sounds Indeed. like a plan and Indeed. a deal. And I'll see you in yoga next Tuesday, Sandy. Oh, uh, yeah. 10 a.m., uh, I'll have the coffee. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for joining me thanks today. Thanks so much. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.